Hi guys and welcome to another episode of The Freel Thing, a weekly podcast all about self-development, motivation, team building and leadership. So we have another special guest in uh, the studio this week. We have the legend that is PTB, Paul Thomas Bell. <laughs> you said don't call you that, but that's that's your thing now. Is it? Yeah, I think it is. I think, I think, it it's, I think it's your thing. Uh, so for those, uh, those few people on the planet who have no idea who you are, Paul, give us 30 seconds on who you are and what it is you do. <laughs> Thank you, Greg. Uh, so I am a, started out as a blogger, public speaker, writer, journalist, whatever you want to call it. Um, and I'm now a presenter, work mostly in football um, and soon-to-be documentary maker. So... Uh, Soon to be documentary yeah, maker. Yeah, I've got, I've got, uh, started, but uh, it's not quite out there yet. So I'm in the, in the process of making a few documentaries, which is what I really want to be doing long term. And, okay. Uh, so it's, it's kind of fun just to be making it happen now. What kind of areas are you kind of going to be? Doing documentaries on. Um, well, I'm it's not like David Attenborough kind of stuff. No, no, no. I wish I do. I do love the outdoors, as you know. But um, I'm an ambassador for a couple of mental health charities, so yeah. I do look a lot at uh, men's mental health in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to encourage people to open up a bit more and uh, things like that. I'm also working on something with the NHS about giving blood, um, which is not going to be as as scary as it sounds. It's going to be a sort of light-hearted look at uh, the the issues with that and obviously me with a a needle in my arm for Mm -hmm. all the right reasons lovely Um, yeah so uh, yeah a few things uh, in the pipeline cool but um, the reason we're well the main reason we're we're talking to you today is because you have rather insanely put yourself through the Camino de Santiago for a second time yes Uh, again for those people who don't know what that is (laughs) Give us a, a little kind of summary of what that is. <laughs> to cut a long story short, it's basically a very long walk. Um, so it's uh, 32, 33 days walking across Spain, starting in the French Pyrenees um, mm-hmm. at the border of Spain and basically walking until I reached the ocean. Uh, so walked across the, the entire length of Spain for the second time, as you say, uh, mm-hmm. no idea why I'm why I've done it for the second time, but uh, why did you do it for the first? Time? <laughs> it just seems like this. I mean, I get it. it you know, it's, it's you know an incredible achievement. It's thirty three days. Um, you know, there's the you know the, the I get the whole human thing that we're striving for. You know, these incredible achievements and hey, I did this endurance thing and um, but twice. Yeah, yeah. I know it's a bit of a cliche, but I do love travelling, as mm-hmm. everyone does these days. You couldn't take the bus, no? <laughs> no, not this time. But uh, yeah, but even more so, I love an adventure. Like a, a week by a pool doesn't really cut it for me sometimes. Mm-hmm. So when I do go abroad, um, nine times out of ten, it will be for sort of four, five, six weeks of um, going from one place to the next. And um, it was a bit of a bucket list thing for me. I read about right. it few years back in a book and uh, within about two chapters of that book I'd sort of said to myself I'm I'm going to do this one day is this I'm I'm kind of racking my brains is this that thing that did Martin Sheen not make a movie about yeah, it he did yeah he did uh, it's called The Way so I mean it's it's a really historic uh, this, this this trip is actually a religious pilgrimage right um, but a lot of people don't necessarily do it for religious reasons. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, um, I'm i a bit half and half. I wouldn't say I went for religious reasons, but um, 
you certainly can't ignore the religious element of it. You know, it's okay. it's called the Way of Saint James, um, and the end is is it's rumored that the the remains of Saint James are are buried in this cathedral at the end of the walk. Wow. Um, so it's a really historic, really um, sort of spiritual journey and whatnot. But um, it sounds like the vague plot for a Dan Brown book. <laughs> yeah, possibly. Yeah, but um, no, it was a Paulo Coelho book that had um, drawn my attention to it initially, right. and. And, and more than anything, like I, I just loved the adventure of it. You know, yeah. just you know, you're walking every single day, and the only thing you book in advance is your flight out there. You know. Okay, th- I think that would that's that's a deal breaker straight away for me because I'm going <laughs> yeah. where's the spa? Yeah, um, I'd be freaking out. So you're. Uh, so how do, how does that work? Are you literally kind of I, negotiating along the way, trying, like, looking I, for I places? Know, I know roughly the stops, and I know roughly the distances between towns and cities and whatnot. But when I set out in the morning, I don't know where I'm staying that night. I don't know where I'm eating. I don't know how far I'm going to walk that day. And it really is a kind of back to basics thing, you know. There's especially on day one. Day one is the hardest day by far because you're climbing up Mount. You're climbing up the Pyrenees basically, so it's ninety nine percent of it is uphill. And I'll tell you what, I've never appreciated water so much in my life. (laughs) So talk about going back to basics, you know. You work in the media, which can at times be fairly glamorous, but there you are stuck on a hill, Mm -hmm. and the sight of a tap is like heaven do you know what I mean so it it was nice to it's it's really nice in a way you know Mm -hmm. but um but yeah I wanted to do it um for years before I actually did it the first time around um and then a few years back um my dad passed away quite suddenly Mm -hmm. um and it was just one of those moments where I was like right come on enough's enough let's let's start making things happen let's stop talking about great ideas and actually doing it yeah um and and that was sort of what prompted me um a few weeks later to sort of go yeah i'm gonna do this now Mm -hmm. and i went and did it and i had the you know it's so tough but i did have the uh one of the most amazing experiences of my life and um after I did it the first time, I swore I'd never do it again. I would never right. set foot on that that Camino ever again. And three years later, something took me back, and I and I still don't really know what it was that mm-hmm. took me back. But there, there you have it. Do you think it's one of these things? Whenever you kind of experience something that's away from everyday life and away from you know your sort of set routine, no matter how vague that routine might might be um, being a self-employed person as well. You kind of have control over, you know, your life and your routine. But whenever you can move away from that and experience something that's so different, do you not think there's that draw just from the fact that it's, hold on, I can get away from this and experience Mm. that. I don't know, like you say, back to basics, it's literally you're stripping away all the garbage that comes with you know your your daily life, your material things, and all that, and it's literally just you and nature. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's when you're walking the Camino, like the Camino is life. Mm-hmm. The, your world for that month, for five to six weeks, that the Camino is your whole world. Mm-hmm. You're not thinking about what mail you're getting, what emails you're getting. Um, I didn't necessarily escape social media because it's almost become part of my job. Well, I mean, I was seeing you posting on LinkedIn. (laughs) So so I was still posting on social media, but that's about the only thing that sort Mm -hmm. of connected me to the real world, if you like. Um, But it is so back to basics. And Mm -hmm. 
I mean, you are quite literally walking through miles and miles of, of fields um, for days at a time. You know, there's. How do you know where you're going? Um, I mean, I know so you've kind of got a vague sort so of sense. This is probably the only reason I, I personally am able to do this walk because it is um, dotted out with yellow arrows all along the way. Right. Did so you get so lost at any point? I I even still got lost right. twice. On bo- uh, both Caminos, I, I got lost um, both times. Um, one day in particular, I ended up in the motorway, walking down the motorway in Spain. And the thing is, like, they don't bat an eyelid. Like, if like I'm walking... 35 degree heat, I'm mm-hmm. running out of water, I've got a huge pack on, I've got no top on, I'm just walking topless down the motorway and no one bats an eyelid. If I was doing that in Glasgow, mm-hmm. like there would be a few police cars stopping Yeah, a few few car horns beeping and stuff, but they don't bat an eyelid and I was just like, how did I... How am I on the motorway? This is a, a mm-hmm. walk through the countryside and somehow I've ended up in the motorway. So although there are yellow arrows everywhere, occasionally you do... To so how did you find your way back there? <laughs> Google Maps is a beautiful <laughs> thing. <laughs> I know we're escaping the real world and all that, mm-hmm. but I'll tell you what, Google Maps is an absolute mm-hmm. godsend when you're stuck on the motorway. But uh, no, it's it's um, you know the the arrows are there and whatnot, but it's not it's not quite as easy as it sounds. Mm-hmm. You know, it's tough, and I'm I'm terrible with it. I get lost in Glasgow, never mind in the Spanish countryside. Yeah. So, um, but yeah. So on average, how many? Miles are you walking each day? So walk pro- on average about maybe twenty five miles a day, something like that. That's fairly significant. Yeah, yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's tough. Like you're leaving really early in the morning. Um, you're staying in some god awful hostels, and I, I'm mm. I'm used to hostel life. You know, it mm-hmm. doesn't phase me at all. But some of these places, they're you know beyond basic, and uh, you know there's people waking up at five in the morning to leave and I was more of a seven in the morning person but Mm -hmm. uh, yeah you're leaving really early get your pack on you know your pack weighs 15 16 Mm -hmm. kilos which adds up over time you know and and it's uh, and presumably these hostels don't do like B&B no it's not like a buffet I'm talking about sharing Mm -hmm. bunk beds with uh, large German men that snore for the night stuff and some of these places the bunk beds are actually pushed together Mm -hmm. like two are pushed together then a gap then another two are pushed together so effectively what it forms is two double beds nice and you're lying there going who's going to be in this bed Mm -hmm. next to me and it wasn't always someone you would want next to you so uh, it's quite quite, you know it's tough I was going to say I mean it's we I imagine it's kind of scary as well. It, it I mean, can yeah. be. They're, I mean, it's a really beautiful trip and it's very spiritual and it's, you know, but it, some amazing stories. It could, but there are a few odd, It could be the that, way of the serial killer. It, you know, it, it you just certainly don't know. could be. Like, there, there's definitely a few strange characters. I, I, I met, there was one guy one day and I'd, I'd been walking all day and I came to this tiny little bar in the middle of nowhere and uh, I was desperate for some lunch or anything to eat so I ordered this horrendous meal but I, at that point I was going to eat anything and this guy wanders over to me and he's clearly been walking as well and um, he starts trying to cheers me with his glass of wine and I didn't have a drink yet but he was really I'm like I don't have a drink he's really insistent so you know out, out of politeness you find yourself faking a cheers like mm-hmm. some imaginary wine glass and he kept doing it over and over again and I'm like mate I don't have a glass here mm-hmm. like, I'm going to give it a rest and then I kind of walked outside 
I'm sitting outside, my food comes and he comes and sits next to me and I'm, I'm trying to watch the World Cup on my, right. on my phone as well. And he's he keeps handing me this pen and pad and he keeps trying to make me draw him. And I'm like, mate, going to let me eat my, <laughs> eat my lunch here? Like, mm-hmm. I, I love drawing, but I'll draw you, you know, let me eat my lunch. And he goes, okay, I'll draw you in Spanish or whatever. Mm-hmm. So he sits, starts drawing me and I'm watching my phone with the football and I'm trying to eat as well. And every two seconds, all I hear is... And the guy's like, look at me, look at me, I'm trying to draw you. And I'm like, mate, I, I don't know what mm-hmm. you're saying. All I know is you're trying to draw me. And he's making me stare into his eyes for a second mm-hmm. whilst he draws me. And I'm like, what is going on here? And then he bursts out laughing because what happens is I'm I'm get, like, I'm really patient with people and I always try and be nice, as nice as I possibly can. But I'm getting a little bit ratty with this guy mm-hmm. now because he's been going on for ages and ages. And, uh, and then out of nowhere, a mosquito the size of a bloody blackbird landed mm. on my plate and I get the fright of my oh life. Oh my God. So he burst, so I'm like, okay, that's my dinner done. And I, mm-hmm. I kind of flicked it off the table and, and I was walk, as I was walking in, he shouted me and uh, he goes, look, and he picks up this humongous mosquito and he eats it. <laughs> oh my like, God. Time to move bars and it's just like, oh my God, you're having the toughest, toughest of days and then you just sit down for a break and you mm-hmm. meet people like that. But I have to say it's a very rare occurrence, but there are a, there mm-hmm. are a few characters along the way. Um, so, I mean, obviously there's a very religious stroke spiritual aspect to it. Um, presumably there's... like. Are there guides that, that do versions of it as well that you know yeah, that, that can take you along? There's different way? ways to do it. I mean, it really is a kind of uh, apart from one or two days in particular. It is a, it really is an all abilities type type thing. You don't mm-hmm. have to be the fittest person in the world to do it because you're not under any unless it's for work reasons or getting home. You're not under any time constraints. It's not a race. You can mm-hmm. go at your own pace, and you do see. And some of the most amazing people I met were the older people doing it. I met a 90-year-old woman doing it, and mm. she was doing the full thing, the, the real sort of traditional way of doing it. You walk every step of the way, you carry your pack every step of the way. But there are things um, to make it easier for people, if that puts people off. You can send your bag ahead to a certain town and walk mm. to that town and pick up your bag. Um, or you can get um, sort of like guided bus tours where they'll drive a bit, then you walk a bit, then the bus picks you up, and then mm-hmm. and, and so on and so on. So there's, there's a variety of ways of doing it, but um, it's definitely something I'd highly recommend to anyone, regardless mm-hmm. of your ability. Just don't do day one, no, if you're struggling fitness wise. <laughs> Just skip it onto day two. Yeah, day one, day one's mm-hmm. a bit of a bugger. <laughs> so, what was the key difference for you? Obviously, you know, you're doing it for the second time. Um, you said to me beforehand before we start recording that um, the first time was really really straightforward um, but the second time it was just horrendous there was a lot of really difficult things to deal with what was the main difference? Um, The first time I think there was a real excitement about the unknown Mm -hmm. and I really just went with the flow and it was still a bucket list thing for me so it's just about Mm -hmm. ticking off that bucket list thing when you're doing it the second time you kind of know what to expect and because it is really tough you are a bit like oh god I know what I'm going to have to do yeah. soon and um, and when there is such a tough physical element to something and you don't really have a strong reason to be there in the first place you've just somehow ended up doing it again you do start to sort of lose your motivation a little bit mm-hmm. and that was something I struggled with particularly in the first sort of 10 days or so 
and and I injured my knee re- not really badly. I mean, I still carried on, but I injured my knee pretty badly on the first day on the downhill bit from climbing up these these mm-hmm. mountains. And um, you know, it wasn't the worst injury in the world, but when you're walking every single day for hours and hours on end, even the smallest injury can really sort of escalate yeah. and really hinder you. Um, so that was really tough, but this time. It was just, it really was a bit of a roller coaster. Even before I went out, I debated so much whether to do this again. I was going back and forth, back and forth. And um, and even on the first day before I set out, I was sitting in my hotel in, in France and I was like, I, I honestly, I was on the verge of checking flights home. I was like, mm-hmm. I don't know why I'm doing this. And I, I obsessed with not having a reason for doing it again because I had such a clear reason last time. Yeah. I didn't know what was bringing me back out there to do it again. Do you think, it, to get a bit philosophical for a second, do you think maybe in a year or two's time you're going to be able to look back on it and go, I know why I did that? Quite possibly, quite possibly. It's um, because I do look back on, you know, the last Camino and, and even smaller things that happened within it and I go, well, that's why that happened and that's mm-hmm. why that happened. But um, even, I mean, I've only been back a few days, but even in hindsight now, like early, earlier in the year, I was struggling a little bit with anxiety, which I've never had in my life at all. And I didn't, it's certainly not something I expected to sort of come on at the age of 31, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of hit me out of nowhere. But looking back, at, there was a small chain of events that, that had prompted that. And when you're struggling with anxiety, like um, I'm definitely no expert on it, but my experience was you feel like you need to be wrapped in bubble wrap. Do you know what I mean? You feel mm-hmm. vulnerable. You feel like you need to be locked away, hidden in your bedroom, you know? And um, so that that was a really sort of tough uh, it's a tough time. And thankfully, temporary, you know, it's I've certainly seemed to have gotten over that mm-hmm. that period. But... The Camino was a nice reminder of what I'm capable of, you know, like yeah. mentally and physically, you know. One, you know, it wasn't that long ago where I was like, I just need to be locked away and then I'm walking across a whole country, you know. Mm-hmm. So it was just a nice reminder, this is what you're capable of, this is what you can do, like time to move forward, yeah. you know. So um so that that's something that I'm I'm grateful for, you know. Mm-hmm. But, uh, Have you done anything Similar to this, you before the first time. I mean, did you? Were you? So, I mean, I know you're somebody who's kind of fairly adventurous anyway, um, and like you say, you don't just kind of you're not going to go for a beach holiday. You you tend to go more yeah. more for adventures. And before you did the first Camino, was there anything that um, compared to it in any? Yeah, shape? I um, a few years ago I was in a bit of a dead end job and uh, that I absolutely hate it wasn't a dead end job but I hated it and um, I was desperate to leave desperate to travel and I got to the point where I kept asking for unpaid leave from this job right. so that I could go and travel and I used to ask for it every single year and every single year they would say no so one year I decided to use up a year's worth of holidays in one go and I flew out to LA and I just travelled right across America mm-hmm. um, all the way to New York and went to some amazing fancy cities like Vegas and Miami and all that but also went all Did through. you hitchhike or? No, <laughs> no like uh, well I was in places like I ended up going down through the deep south and all that yeah. like Alabama and all these places so I don't think I should have hitchhiked really mm-hmm. like, uh, My wife and I um, we were in uh, Vegas um we were in LA in 2002 
and um, it was actually when we got engaged, and we decided that we were going to go to to Vegas from LA. So we hired a car, and we got to this um, town just outside, and I was kind of like, "Oh right, this is like deliverance," you know? Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. you kind of go, "Hmm." Maybe that idea of traveling across country in the Route 66 isn't necessarily yeah. for me. Um, it can just be kind of this lovely idealized notion, but then the reality of it sinks in. You can like, yeah. no, maybe not. Maybe not. I mean, I, I, mean I, I think we all know what America's like by now. You know, it, mm -hmm. it can be the most beautiful and the, and the strangest place mm -hmm. in the world all at the same time. You know, but um, but yeah, that experience that was to this day that's that's the most fun I've ever had my entire life. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Vegas one day, whitewater rafting in Colorado the mm -hmm. next, and all through Texas. And um, how long was that that trip? Uh, this was only five weeks. It was a lot mm -hmm. crammed into five weeks, and uh, so it's it's you know that was something I'd wanted to do my whole adult life. And when you do something like that, and then you go back to the office job a couple of days later, it's very hard to yeah. get back into that. You know, because mm -hmm. you're just sat there thinking this time last week, this time two weeks ago, you know, mm -hmm. I was here, I was doing that. It's very hard to get back into normality. And I ended up moving out to Australia for a bit um, and living with people that I'd met in America. Um, so that was another experience. And, you know, I'd sort of burned my bridges with my old job and, and been sacked from that mm -hmm. for, for running away. And I worked Christmas Eve and then on Boxing Day I was on a plane to Australia. Never told them I was going. Yeah, okay. Mm -hmm. um, so that was a bit of a, an experience. So, But it was just something I had to do. You know, it's, it's hard to get out of these nine to five jobs mm -hmm. that we hate, but I was complaining about it endlessly and I was like, well, it's time I do something about it then if I'm just going to complain all the time. Back in those days, were you... Were you actually blogging about your travels, or no? This was um, this was me still trying to find out what I wanted to do, and um, so I, I was in Australia, and then I came home. As I said, burned my bridges with my old job, but it was and it was a strange feeling because I, I literally came back. I didn't have a penny to my name. I spent mm -hmm. every penny I had traveling um, over the two trips, and no job. And at the age of twenty seven, you know that's quite a scary prospect, you know, because you feel. You know, you're, it's embarrassing, you know, it's it's um, it's not the nicest feeling in the world, but it was also an opportunity for me to start pursuing what I really wanted to do. I had nothing to lose. Mm -hmm. And at the time, I just wanted to get any form of paid writing work, um, newspapers, magazines, whatever. So I was applying, when I came home, I was applying for every in, uh, work experience, every internship under the sun, every job, trainee jobs and whatnot. Didn't get a single reply, never mind a rejection, and um, and that was when I sort of realised I've got nothing to show what I can do. Um, so I started a blog, started writing, started sending articles to every editor you can possibly imagine, and I used to just say I'm not looking for money. I just want to build my my name, build my portfolio. If you like it, use it. If you don't like it, no harm done. Yeah. And uh, within a couple of weeks, I'd got my name into FHM, which was really exciting at the time mm -hmm. and, and things just kind of progressed from there that was that was the the sort of start of the the new career really mm -hmm. so had you uh, in those days i mean you're thinking writing you weren't thinking of yourself as a presenter at the time no no i i had this pipe dream of of making documentaries i'm a huge right. fan of uh louis Ferrou, stacy dooley don mm -hmm. porter people like that so that was always the 
the pipe dream I, I was like I'm going to aim for what's what's the best that I want to be and mm. that was what I wanted to be so kind of tougher subjects and just maybe sort of serious yeah. subject like something you can get your teeth into uh huh uh huh right. um, definitely but um, writing was definitely the, the start the starting point and the blog led to a magazine the magazine led to a newspaper column and that led to some radio appearances and TV appearances and so on and so on and, and now I'm presenting and Definitely that that step closer to to doing the documentary thing, you know. So mm-hmm. it's, it's all been it's really interesting because the stuff I'm doing now is stuff that I wanted to do years ago, but in hindsight, I wouldn't have been ready to do that stuff yeah. years ago. Uh, and when I look back over the last four years of my career, it's all been nice little stepping stones, you know. Yeah. There's there's been no major jumps in between. It's it's all went up pretty smoothly, mm. you know, just over a period of time. Would you have said now that you kind of I know you're you wanting to kind of develop the whole documentaries kind of thing. Would you say that you have not necessarily a concrete plan, but at least more of an idea of kind of where you're wanting to go? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think it comes with age and it comes with experience. Like, um, I definitely know who I am now. I know what I want to put out there. I know what I want to make. And it's really just a case of doing it now, you know, mm-hmm. and, and getting in front of the right people. And um, I've definitely been in the right conversations and in the right meetings with people and, but it's a tough industry, you know, it, it doesn't just happen overnight. Mm-hmm. You know, you can have the best meeting of your life with the most important people and then you don't hear from them and for six months. Yeah. But then six months later, remember that meeting we had? Right, mm-hmm. we're going to do it. And that's just the way, you, way it works in the media. You never get excited about anything yeah. until it's either written in a contract or you've got a camera pointed mm-hmm. in your face, you know. And, mm-hmm. and even then, you just never know. You, well, I mean, you could... You can, be filming something and then it never sees the light of day. I mean, there's there's that yeah, as well. Yeah. Um, so we're going to bring it back to um, my world, um, music. What part, if any, does music play in your daily life? Do you do you have like a motivational oh, playlist? Uh, or? Absolutely. Like yeah. you will. If I'm not with people, you will never see me without my headphones in. Oh really? Honestly, right. like huh. it and. And on the Camino as well, like uh, you're walking hours and hours, um, so I'm just listening to music all day long, mm. uh, all day, every day. Um, but it's massive for me. Like um, you know, I'll do some some live shows, and um, it's a motivational thing for me. It is a kind of getting ready. I'm mm. not talking about um, listening to Eminem, pretending I'm about to go out into a boxing right. match here, but <laughs> but just something that gets you in the mood and something that kind of uh, what kind of stuff you listen to. I listen to like I know specific genre. I'm very much like if I like it, I like it. I don't care what it is or mm-hmm. who's singing it. But um, mostly rock based stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I uh, love classic rock. I love the the ACDCs and Led Zeppelins of the world. And yeah. Um, but I, I'm also a self proclaimed former emo kid. I, I uh, love the Fallout Boys and Panic at the Disco. Um, Do you like Thirty Seconds to Mars? I love Thirty Seconds to Mars. My wife and I are huge Thirty Seconds to Mars <laughs> yeah. fans. We I've seen them three times now, and the second time I saw them, um, I had like a spare ticket because Linda was like, "I'm not going. I'm not going. Yeah, no yeah. interest in seeing them." But she thought Jared Leto was kind of cute, so she. Yeah. So whenever we couldn't, I couldn't get somebody else to to come uh, with me. She was like, "Oh, right, okay, I'll come yeah, along." Yeah. So she comes along. Five minutes into the show, she turns to me and she's like, "Oh my god! Yeah. Anytime they come here, I have to see them." Yeah. And the last time we saw them, she's singing louder than anybody else. 
Yeah. And I'm like, I'm, I'm the one who's the well, fan here, you know? Yeah, well, so, some people will know that I do a lot of filming with Labrooks for their football social media content. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the commercial director that I work closely with is a guy called David McDonald, and he's one of those very important people. You'll always see him in his suit and with, with all the big wigs and whatnot, but he's, he's an absolutely cracking guy. He's a huge 30 seconds. Oh, really? really? Well. He, you, you would meet him and you would never think that this was the music he was into. Mm-hmm. But there we were at 30 seconds to Mars a few months back and uh, uh, head banging away. So, um, yeah, great band. But, uh, yeah, listen to them a lot. They've got some very motivational songs and some of it's, their videos are yeah. outstanding as yeah. well. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of that kind of stuff and um, I don't know maybe it's just because like Jared and I are the same generation and we kind of have a lot of similar mm. influences so a lot of the stuff that I create is very similar and kind of where, where it's coming from Yeah. Um, but like the Closer to the Edge video just like gets me massively pumped up Yeah. Um, I remember playing it to somebody uh, and they're not a fan of like that kind of music uh, well this is how I found out they're not a fan of yeah, like, yeah. and, I, and they were like oh my god he seems so angry I'm like uh-huh. he's not angry it's just energy it's just yeah. this massive amount of energy and for me he's he's the the truest form of an artist like he's such an all rounder mm-hmm. his talent's exceptional from songwriting instruments acting art everything he's, he's got it all he's got such a he's such a great singing voice Ma- yeah. I think massively underrated as a singer yeah yeah um, cracking head of hair as well obviously, obviously. <laughs> uh, and he's one of those bastards that if he's got short hair, it looks cool. If he's got long hair, yeah. it looks cool. He doesn't look ridiculous. You kind of like, God damn it, that guy can have his hair. He anyway. seems to grow long hair in the space of about three months as well. Yeah. Like he shaves it off for rolls and then two months later. Yeah, like, is this, maybe it's a wig. Maybe it's a, no, maybe he's secret, maybe he's secretly bald. Maybe that's what it is. No, you can't. Don't kill the dream. He's no. an idol. Um, actually, speaking of dream, that's a, the song on uh, their new album, Live Like a Dream. I love that song. That's yeah. That's a huge uplifting the song they did about LA for me is just the most beautiful song and the video is City of Angels yeah Yeah. it's absolutely that video it's 10 minutes long Mm -hmm. but I'll sit and watch it every single time and uh, I'm like that more more with Kings and Queens yeah yeah. Kings and Queens for me is it's maybe even my favourite song yeah Um, but it's you know the combination of the video. Every single shot yep. is just so thought out. Mm. You're just like, okay, that shot's amazing. Oh, that shot's amazing, and it's. Yeah. I just absolutely love it. Yeah, and I wasn't even a huge fan at first. I saw them way back in, must have been 2006, um, and they came over. And I remember thinking, like Jared, Jared likes to get the the audience involved yeah. a lot. Mm-hmm. But I remember back then he seemed to be doing it too much. I felt like we were singing every line. The microphone mm-hmm. was constantly pointed at us, and mm-hmm. it was a bit like, "Could you sing some, Jared? Now, please." Yeah, we're, we're tired. Well, those were the days. Whatever he was shouting, so he was hoarse, so he yeah. literally couldn't sing. Yeah, it was a bit more of a screamo mm-hmm. feel back then. But, but uh, I love how the fans these days are like, you know, oh, they're not what they look like. used to be. I'm like, well, obviously they're going to change, but also he just writes better songs. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It's like, oh, these ones have tunes. Yeah, definitely. You know? definitely. Um, I mean, like, don't tell me seriously that you think that their first album is better than anything that they've done. Absolutely. Because like, I'll, I'll tell you my guilty pleasure, right? My guilty, my guilty pleasure is Busted. I love Busted. Busted right? are great. Yeah. So Busted, I used to always, I used to defend them to the help because they wrote every word of mm-hmm. every song they ever wrote. And... Um, 
but then their new music that they've brought out is very different and I love it and again they got some criticism for it not being the same but I'm like come on like, are they still going to write about ago, their school know? teacher you know yeah. like um, you have to move on I, I think bands are very unfairly criticised sometimes mm-hmm. for progress or I do have to say though I thought you know I said this to my wife when the, the new album came out I was like oh my god they're going to lose so many fans with us because yeah. it's so poppy yeah yeah I mean it's, it's so poppy, so yeah. commercial I was like oh my god I mean, I thought the last album was very much stepping in that yeah. direction, but then this one was like, oh my God. But you know what? what I, I found back in the day, Busted did a lot of um, little unreleased cover songs yeah. and um, that were absolutely fantastic. And it was almost as if this is too rocky for the label to put out, but we're going to just yeah. leave them floating around somewhere. Mm-hmm. And one of my all-time favourite songs ever is a busted cover of Fall at Your Feet by Crowded House. Oh, right. And it is absolutely phenomenal. I mean, that's a classic song. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, We could talk about music all bloody night. Um, Right, here's a a super heavy question. Go on. Years and years and years from now, whenever the legend of PTB is passed on, (laughs) what would you like your legacy to be? Either... Personal or professional, just when people think of you, what would you like your legacy to be? Um, so personally, like, I am a very... I sort of pride myself on my sense of humour. I would never claim to be the funniest person in the world, but I, like, I just like to have fun. I like to laugh. Um, I like, it's nice to be nice, you know, mm-hmm. and, and just someone that's easy to be around. Um, and certainly, you know, with my family and whatnot, I, I have the best relationship with my family I've ever had. Have you got brothers and sisters? I've got one sister, yeah. Right. Um, Older or younger? Younger. Right. Um, and she's had a little boy who I love as if he was my own and mm-hmm. another one on the way. So, um, But me and my sister used to hate each other, you know, so it's so nice to have this really nice relationship. Yeah. Um, so just a good uncle, good son, good person... I really pride myself on helping people um, because a lot of people have helped me along the way in my journey, yeah. and I never forget those people that have helped me. Mm-hmm. So it's like I, I remember. I think that's I think it's super important. I think oh, enough lot of people time. just kind of there's an awful lot of stepping over other people oh, to get yeah, on, absolutely. and I just couldn't I be like never, that. Never, never forget the people that have helped me. Um, and professionally, like you know, I know what I want to be. I want to I want to be that sort of fun loving. Scottish guy with a man bun and the beard mm-hmm. um, and the skinny jeans who who does these really hard hitting documentaries, but he does it in a way that we can relate to and and you know it makes it not quite so scary and whatnot some yeah. of these subjects. Um, but I, you know, for me, I want to look back and have a career that I can be proud, proud of, of and, yeah. and you know, and I, I know like my family and whatnot. For them to be able to turn on the TV and there I'm sitting there on a couch doesn't matter what show it's on if it's mm-hmm. a rubbish one or not. Do you know it's, it's such a nice feeling to see them being proud of me, which really means a lot. You know. Yeah. But, um, so yeah, just to be a nice, fun person who worked his backside off and and made some some really good uh, documentaries and stuff. You know. Paul, thank you so much a for pleasure. joining me today. Thanks for having me. Thank you.